0: So many wonderful activities, so many wonderful ministry opportunities. I appreciate uh, the sharing about our WOW group, our women of West Irwin. They do so very much. And uh, where would this church be without these wonderful godly women? Thank you so much for your wonderful ministry in so many ways to our church family and far beyond. Uh, This morning as we continue our series looking at Jesus and some of his relationships... While he was here on this earth, uh, this morning is one of my favorite ones, perhaps the favorite one. It is a great interaction between Jesus and someone that you would not expect him to have interaction with. Jesus' confession before the Roman governor Pontius Pilate secured his crucifixion. Of course, we read about the story of Jesus' trials and uh, conviction and sentencing and death in all four Gospels, but we also have this comment in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 13. Paul, as he's writing to Timothy, says, In the sight of God who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession. And then he's going to go on and encourage Timothy to continue to be faithful in making that same good confession. But I think it's interesting to me that Paul would bring that about. We spoke last week about Jesus and his interaction with the Jewish leaders, his own people, and how he made that good confession before them, how when pressed, he acknowledged, yes, I am the Son of God, and you'll see the Son of God coming. Uh, with his mighty angels one day. And that is what caused them to say guilty of blasphemy and sentence him to death. But here Paul is referring not to Jesus' own people, not to people of faith, but to a Roman civil political official, the Roman governor Pontius Pilate. And yet before Pilate, Jesus made that good confession. Jesus confessed to Pilate who he was and gave Pilate every opportunity to act on that. And so as we look at these passages today, uh, there are more on your outline than we'll turn to, but as we look at these passages today, perhaps if you're watching from home as you consider these things as well and follow up this study, uh, it is an amazing thing That Jesus felt so strongly about a pagan political leader who had zero faith. That Jesus would interact with him in the way he does. Far differently than the way he interacted with his own people. And so this morning we look at Jesus and Pilate. First of all, Pilate and the Jews... Pilate interacted with those same Jewish leaders that Jesus interacted with that pronounced him guilty. And we see the reason why in Matthew 27, verses 1 and 2. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. And then beginning in verse 11. We read this. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Asked Pilate. But they all shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, verse 24, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged. And handed him over to be crucified. And the verses that follow, the soldiers and staff that were under Pilate's authority continued the punishing wounds laid upon Jesus. The emotional wounds laid upon Jesus. And then Matthew continues on with the story of his crucifixion and and burial in the rest of the chapter. Once they had decided they wanted him killed, they took him to Pilate. And what we know is that the reason they took him to Pilate, instead of just taking him outside of the city and killing him themselves, because they didn't want just to kill him. They wanted to humiliate him in the worst possible way, and they wanted him to hurt for a long time before he died. And because the Roman government refused to allow any group other than the Roman government themselves to have someone crucified, they had to take him to Pilate, the Roman governor. And as we read these words, one of the things that amazes me more than anything else is that it was this civil, pagan, Roman politician who saw what was going on and tried to stop it. Didn't try hard enough, but he tried to stop it. And he confronted the Jewish leaders about it because he knew, he knew what was happening here. It wasn't the rulers of faith, the people of faith who were trying to get Jesus released. But it was the Roman governor, Pilate. He washes his hands publicly and says, I'm innocent of this man's blood. And they all say, of course, well, we'll take that guilt. Sure, this mob rule was out of control. But what we do know is that Pilate could make some kind of symbolic gesture that he was innocent, but he was not. He had the authority to release him. It wouldn't have been the first time he upset the Jewish leaders. And this time his cause would have been justified to save an innocent man's life. But he refused to act. And we'll see why when we get to John's gospel account of this. In John chapter 19, Jesus is pronounced dead and as as John reports it, it's kind of interesting and we'll see this a couple times this morning, Pilate's reactions and responses in all of this. There are a few things that surprise him and in John 19 beginning in verse 31, we read these words. Now it was the day of preparation and the next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. John goes on to talk about how it's something that he never forgot and how it was the fulfillment again of Scripture. But it's interesting that these Jewish leaders, (laughs) these faith leaders, they were so concerned about the bodies being left up when the Sabbath was about to happen, when the Passover was still going on. They wanted the bodies taken down. Amazing what they were concerned with. Just as when Judas comes back to them and throws the money to them and says, I, I can't take this because of their wonderful Christ, or, uh, Jewish faith conviction. They said, well, we can't, we can't use this money for just anything because that would be against God's will. So let's just buy a cemetery with it. And yet they could pronounce guilt upon Jesus and make sure that he died in the worst possible way. Pilate interacts with the Jewish leaders, but then Pilate interacts with Jesus. And so next we see Pilate and Jesus. And this interaction between them, and we get a little taste of it in the other Gospels, but in John, it's especially poignant. We read about his conviction and crucifixion, starting in John 18... Verse 28, then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them. (laughs) Oh, we don't want to be ceremonially unclean. That would be horrible. Let's kill an innocent man out of our own insecurity and jealousy and fear. But God forbid that we become unclean by going inside this pagan governor's mansion. So Pilate came out to them, verse 29, and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was about to die. And so that's why they take him to Pilate. They wanted him crucified. They wanted him nailed to a cross. They wanted him subjected to the absolute greatest amount of physical and emotional pain and humiliation that was in effect in their day. And that was it. But to do that, they had to get Pilate to sign off on it. Verse 33, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? So he's already gone farther with Pilate in his discussion during this trial than he did with the Jewish leaders. Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Verse 35, am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate had asked him, are you a king? My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Again, Jesus shares more with this Roman governor than he did with the Jewish leaders. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, we wouldn't be having this discussion right now. Because I could easily take over this world. I've done it since the beginning of time. Bring leaders in, take them out. Bring nations in, take them out. Because God is superior to all of those things, even to Pilate. My kingdom isn't of this world. That's that's the limited view that you have, Pilate. You don't get it any more than they get it. Pilate thought he had him. Verse thirty-seven. You are a king, then. Ha! Gotcha. <laughs> Pilate would have been very happy with Twitter today because he had those gotcha questions and responses really well. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And that's where Jesus got Pilate. Because now we're talking about a, term and a concept that is rolling around in Pontius Pilate's head that he kind of vaguely remembers the truth but it's been so long since he had lived according to that that he didn't even know what it was anymore I came into this world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Verse 38, what is truth? Retorted Pilate. Great question. Great question in the first century. Great question in the 21st century. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? Pilate thought, here's my way out. This This is my escape hatch. I don't have to pronounce him innocent to release him and save his life. We have this tradition this practice where somebody is released during this Passover weekend every year let's let it be Jesus and that way they don't look bad I don't look bad and Jesus lives he thought this is a great idea but he underestimated the hate and the jealousy and the insecurity that these Jewish leaders had about Jesus They shouted back, verse 40, no, not him, give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. And we hear from the other gospel writers that it wasn't just insurrection, it wasn't just an uprising, it was murder. He was a murderer. Chapter 19, then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. A very painful, horrible punishment in itself. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. Why? Because this is what they did. This, this is how they acted. Once more, verse 4, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, here is the man. Pilate says, on the one hand, I I can't find anything to convict him of. But I have accepted your guilty charge. I have beaten him. I have had him flogged. I have let my soldiers have their way with him. And now I'm bringing him out to you with this mocking royal outfit on already bleeding immensely from the floggings and the crown of thorns. Here is the man. Verse 6, as soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God Uh (laughs) uh-oh, now it's more than just he claimed to be a king, he claimed to be the son of God. And that makes Pilate even more nervous. And he's thinking about that and he's thinking about the message he got from his wife and he knows in his heart this man is innocent and he knows in his mind why they did all of this. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid and he went back inside the palace where Jesus was. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? And on the surface, that was exactly right. And that's why Pilate's guilt could not be washed off his hands. He had that authority. He had that power. He could have done that. But Jesus sees it differently. Verse 11, Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. My people are guilty of a greater sin than you are, Governor Pilate. You're still guilty of sin. But God is seeing all of this unfolding. And it is his ultimate will to use us, whether we choose to be obedient or disobedient, whether we choose to trust him or trust in something else. From then on, verse 12, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. And that was that. We'll come back to this. But now Pilate is hearing the answer to his question. Okay, Pilate, what do you think is truth? When Pilate heard that, that this could come back against him, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. One more chance. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked, we have no king but Caesar. The chief priests answered. They were guilty of blasphemy. They were guilty of idolatry. Why? Because they were worshiping something as God that was not God. They had put a political authority over the throne of God. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. John doesn't tell us. Only Luke 23 tells us that he heard he was from Herod's jurisdiction, so he tried to get Herod in on the deal, and Jesus doesn't respond at all to Herod. He even talks to him less than the Jewish leaders. And in Mark 15, it's one of the passages that we read about his burial. And and when Joseph comes to Pilate and asks for the body, Pilate, according to Mark 15, is surprised that he's already dead. And he has to confirm it from the centurion. And they're the ones that had gone ready to break his legs, but had already seen him dead. So they poked, stabbed him with a spear. And out came blood and water. In John 19, we know that it's Nicodemus that joins Joseph, and as we said before, both members of the Sanhedrin. Finally, in Matthew chapter 27, one last interaction, and that is, Jesus uh, is the, Pilate is approached and said hey, by the Jewish leaders, look, this, this guy claimed he was going to rise from the dead, and if that happens, it is worse than before. So Pilate gives him permission in Matthew 27, to put the seal of the emperor over the stone and to post an extra guard. And so let's come back to Pilate and the truth. Pilate and the truth. In John 18, that interaction, my kingdom is not of this world, verse 36. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. And in the midst of everything else that's going on, Jesus calls on this Roman governor to consider the truth, the ultimate truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth Pilate asks and I think he asked that because he no longer knew and again it's in chapter 19 verse 12 where the Jewish leaders challenge Pilate himself saying okay where do your loyalties lie with God or with Caesar our loyalties lie with Caesar how about you are you going to let this guy who claims to be a king go not going to look good on you when it gets back to Rome. That's when Pilate goes to his judgment seat and pronounces guilt, sentences to crucifixion. Well, let's ask about the answer to Pilate's question, what is truth, as we close today. The answer to Pilate's question is Jesus. That's truth. Not just the truth, but truth. What is truth? It's Jesus. Truth was standing right in front of him. Truth was standing right in front of the Jewish leaders in the crowd. But they couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. They were so caught up in this world that they couldn't see truth standing right in front of them. The only truth that will last, the only truth that can save, the only truth that is eternal. The answer to Pilate's question, what is truth, Jesus it is his presence as John says beginning his gospel in chapter one Jesus came full of grace and truth the law came through Moses grace and truth came through Jesus Christ it's in his word in John 8 verses 31 and 32 Jesus says if you hold to my teaching then you're truly my disciples and you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free And as he prays in John 17, verse 17, he prays, sanctify them through the truth. Your word is truth. A common joy in the truth of God's word. And it is seen in himself. Very clearly, John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you're looking for that through anything other than Jesus, you won't find it. It's not enough. But the good news of the gospel is that with Jesus, it is enough. Why? Because he is truth. He is the way and the truth and the life. And through him and his blood that Wade talked about being shared on that cross so that we could be children of God through that blood we are saved I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean oh how wonderful oh how marvelous is my Savior's love for me. This morning, if you need to come to the truth, come as we stand and sing this great hymn together.